Listener discretion advised by the sound contains salty language. So if you don't like that, turn it down now. No, now, like right now. Okay, let's start this fucking show. (laughs) Hang on a second. My friend just dropped off a plant for me. Hi, (laughs) thank you so much. I love you. It's so good to see your face and your butt. Okay, I got to do this meeting. I'm, I'm recording a podcast. From the Coast Salish land of Seattle, we're By the Sound, your community-invested podcast. I'm Sarah Mays, speaking this week with Chelsea Alvarez and Aisha Hauser. On this episode, Seattle therapist Ryan Robertson returns for a second show as we discuss how our community is coping with the COVID crisis. This is By the Sound. We are welcoming back on the podcast today, last week's guest... Ryan Robertson. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Are you asking because I look like shit? I mean, I... I <laughs> <laughs> you can probably smell me. I haven't showered <laughs> all that much this week, and um, I am not wearing makeup, and uh, I am not at all prepared to to shine on, on my Zoom call. Um, also me, I'm doing about a once- once a week shower that feels like enough and if my face is going to be seen i'm doing my brows but that's it mm. like i haven't haven't reached that part of emergency where i abandon brow care oh thank goodness for that we all have to have some kind of barometer for how we're doing yeah your, your brows look fantastic thank you they uh, do. We there's a whole Facebook discussion on my page about bras and how it, some. So I basically have gone braless for at least a month, and I fucking love it. And I'm I'm pretty large breasted, but so someone when I posted that said, "Well, this only applies." I, I posted an article on Teen Vogue that you really don't need to wear bras if you don't want to. So somebody's like, "Well, this only applies to people with smaller than D cups." I'm like, "Oh no, honey, not even a little bit." I'm way <laughs> and I love freeing you know the. <laughs> The daughters of anarchy, somebody called it. So no, I, yeah. So the bra thing is was an interesting conversation. Then there are people like, I love my bra, and, I, and I'm like, you do be you be you. I'm just saying, this doesn't. Mm-hmm. There is no rule. You can do whatever brings you joy and happiness. Yeah, buddy. I'm just saying that privilege is not only owned by smaller than D cups. Was my point. Yeah, yeah. That's like discrimination, you know. <laughs> If I wasn't in love with these little bralettes that I buy, I'd probably also be doing the same thing. But now I started wearing these bralettes that are kind of like, they're just like an intention of a bra. Uh, it's not confining in any way. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can wear this literally all week and not even remember. So hmm, that'll work. I'm in the minority here. I'm <laughs> still like, I'm taking showers every day. I'm wearing bras. I'm wearing jeans to work. Wow, Miss Fancy yeah, that's Pants. Radical. Here's the that's thing. Radical. Here's the thing. <laughs> I need there to be a clear, like, felt sense of the distinction between mm. work time and a not work time. Yes. So I have to be a little bit uncomfortable while I'm working. And then it's like I come home, you know, two feet away. I take off my bra. I change into my pajamas. And <laughs> then I'm off home. duty. Yeah, and then I, I then I don't answer emails and I don't like think about work anymore. And I I see my coworkers, you know, sending out emails at six a.m., nine p.m., and they're wearing sweatpants. So who's the fucking who's the fucking winner here? Me. 
I think we're all the winner, though. Like, as long as we <laughs> are doing our best, uh, not beating ourselves up with judgment, and just, like, yeah. literally surviving right now, we're all doing the best. And I'm really proud of myself for having tr- transitioned out of wearing pants. And, like, Chelsea, you know that last several times you've seen me, I've been wearing these, like, genie pants. Yeah. Yeah. Those are just my look now. Like, um, I, I feel like I had, like... <laughs> I had a couple months to prepare for this somehow, like unconsciously. And I started Mm. wearing those genie pants and now that's all I wear now. And I don't think I'm ever coming back. I'm really curious about like what will constitute dressing for work after this. And like, we've all (laughs) seen each other on our zoom calls. Like we know everybody looks like shit and it's fine. Nothing has fallen apart because we look like shit. So like, (laughs) can we just come back to this and like, People only get their haircut when they want to. People wear sweatpants to the office if they want to. People wear slightly uncomfortable clothes if they want to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. can we be done with rules forever? Is that is that the outcome? Um, I think that it will. So to answer that in an actual, like realistically, it probably will be like that for a bit. Um, and mm. then these fake constructs of what it means to be professional will probably creep back in because yeah. I have found that we really love tradition, even if it doesn't make sense. And you're like, oh, but we yeah. have to do that because we always have. Um, so I think that a well, big chunk of the population sense. will regress. But I, I, yeah. I don't think I'm going to really be wearing jeans anymore. Like, yeah, it's, they're not comfortable. Like I never got into that high waist thing that came back a few years ago. Like it was already hard enough for me to get into skinny jeans and then like my body just gave up. So now, now I'm wearing genie pants for the rest of my life. It's- or we're going to course correct and wear like wacky ball gowns from like, <laughs> Oh, I hope so. And shit. Like we're going to, you know, yeah. it, it, it can go either way. Like, you know, we just go full Miss Havisham and wear our gowns <laughs> everywhere. And just yeah. go, you know, it can go either way. Maybe this is just my mood this week because I'm hitting the wall kind of. I've been <laughs> weepy and just wanting to just, every time I see a bird, I burst into tears. So it just could be this my state of mind that I'm like, I'm going to go back to work in gowns that I don't even own. I don't even own a fucking gown. Like I don't <laughs> even have the I don't know why I, I hate dressing up. So I don't hate it, but it's yeah. not something I do, but I appreciate Chelsea. That's a great idea because I've been trying to figure out how to turn off work and so if I wear yeah. jeans, I did it one day out of the last month. I wore jeans. I'm like, look at me all Easter. I'm like, we have worship services online. I'm like, <laughs> I am dressed up today. I wore jeans with a zipper yes. and a button and flowers <laughs> embroidered on it, like from the eighties, like they're, you know, yes. yeah, yeah. And I felt completely dressed up, but then that's a good idea. Cause then that's a, that's a boundary. Like I'm wearing jeans. I will take off the jeans and I will not do it. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. That's helpful. It's working for me. My, I think my dream for like the future of business casual is that like I will go to the office in my high waisted skinny jeans and the person in the elevator next to me will be wearing a ball gown. And then when <laughs> I get off the elevator, someone will walk by in like sweatpants with holes in the knees. Like I want everyone to just be doing what the fuck they want. Yeah. And then I'll walk by in my full Klingon warrior outfit. 
and just Fuck complete yeah, the circle. <laughs> like, okay, because if that's if that's the future we're working towards where we get to like be our most authentic selves, then I'm gonna be in yeah. cosplay full time unless I'm in my but, genie yeah. pants. That's liberation. That's li- that's what we're working towards. That's, that's liberation. liberation. That's liberation. So speaking of that Klingon outfit, last time you were on the show, Ryan, you um you had big plans for mm-hmm. the, the Comic Con. And, uh, including you were supposed to be on a couple of panels and, uh, you were going to make, um, brow ridges and, uh, how are you dealing with that loss? Cause I, I think to, to be serious, I, I think there actually is kind of a grieving going on for everyone lately, um, who have lost something they were looking forward to, or at least, a normalcy in life. So have you grieved um, your lost Klingon ridges? Uh, no, surprisingly not. Um, so I am one of those people that is so extroverted that it's painful mm. and I can't stop myself from doing something if there's like a social component to it. And really the only way I was going to take social distancing seriously was to have my favorite things canceled so like, cause I, even though I had already started working from home, maybe last week of February, cause I have an autoimmune disorder, blah, blah, blah. I want to keep myself safe. I was still planning on going to Comic-Con and doing all the things I had mentioned. And it really took the cancellation for me to not do that. And so I've had to reevaluate how I function because I can't rely on myself being externally motivated to do anything anymore. And so I, I, first of all, I remind myself that there will always be future cons and Comic-Con has been rescheduled for the summer. Uh, I'm also not holding myself to that because nobody knows what the fuck is happening or where we're going or how long this is going to last. And it's not useful for me to get all anxious about that or expectant when there's no guarantees right now. Um, and then. Like, I just, I don't know, like, I, I don't feel like my, the things that in my life have, that have been disrupted are very important in a big scheme. They're just for fun. And I can still have fun. It just, it's going to look different than what fun has looked like for me before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally can empath- and relate to that. I've, I had seven trips planned this spring and <sighs> all gone. Yeah, all for the last one was when I was in Houston, which is why um, I missed the last interview. And um, I've just had to mourn that and know that, yeah, I'm grateful for a roof over my head, food, um, and be sad that a whole thing that I thought was going to happen this spring over the next few months is gone. Poof. Um, so that, that's been, the mourning is real. I mean, I definitely um, have, my daughter's college commencement is gone. I mean, mm-hmm. I only graduated from college once and she cried for two days and she said, I know mom, you know, that I'm privileged and I don't, but, I, and I'm sad. And I said, you're allowed to be sad. Like your college graduation is no more. So yeah, you're allowed to be sad. Yeah. Um, and, that, and yes, we do, you know, there's a lot to be grateful for and, and, and so, um, that's yeah. very, I also, <laughs> things that are being scheduled for mind you, I'm really pessimistic. Like forget the summer. There are things being rescheduled for September and October. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening either. Yeah. I'm not holding my breath either. (laughs) Exactly. And people look at me like they just want to punch me in the face. I'm like, listen, I'm not trying to be an asshole. It's just, 
it's to me, it feels better to be realistic than to think somehow some magical, some fuck or other, especially with the fucking people leading the shit right now. Like, nope, there <laughs> I have no, <laughs> sorry, but Dr. Anthony Fauci is not the president. Like, sure. People can love him all they want. He's not the fucking president. So <laughs> Yeah, and meanwhile, our president is like, I have total authority over Ugh. everything. Uh, I'll send out a memo about that. I'm like, okay, all right. So, yeah, r- right now is my chance to breathe because there's not that certainty in the future. Um, I'm, I'm really, I myself am kind of proud of how I've been approaching this whole time. Um, I tend to be a very motivated person. I want to conquer the world like yesterday and very impatient to do so, but it's given me the opportunity to practice like radical acceptance in this super profound way where like, like I have to acknowledge the limits of my powers right now and then find different powers. And, um, I definitely spent maybe the first three weeks laying on my couch, playing animal crossing, just working um, from home, not changing my clothes, eating some pizza. But then I actually got a little bit more energy to like, so one of the things I, I mentioned in the last interview is I had have a background in fashion design, but because I wasn't pressuring myself to do anything, I gradually found my way to my sewing machine and started knocking out these Pokemon masks out of an old bedsheet. And like, it's, it's super fun, but like, nobody asked me to do that. Um, there, there's no pressure. There's, there was no expectation. And if I want to stop doing it, I can stop doing it at any time. Um, also just getting reacquainted with my garden. But I think that none of these things would be working if I felt like I should be doing anything. I'm literally just doing what I want to do. Um, and the big thing that I am forcing myself to do is to acknowledge my tremendous privilege in that I am not one of those people who's taking their life into their hands every day that they work. And that if boredom is the biggest thing I have to deal with right now, then I'm fucking full of privilege. Um, for our listeners who don't have uh, a therapist like yourself, what do you mean when you say radical acceptance? Well, there are, there's a few definitions floating around out there. What I am honing in on in this moment is just honing in on what's real. What are the facts? What are the tangibles? And not trying to live outside of that in any way. And just accepting like um, that we are in a limited space. We and that that doesn't have to mean that something is bad or good. It just is. And I think the culture that we live in inserts a lot of value judgments um, around like, oh, if you have free time, you should be doing this. I'm like, no, it's just free time. And I accept that I can't change how that looks. I don't just being in a place of non-judgment and getting rid of that black and white thinking. Um, and especially the pressure to always be productive. And so part of what radical acceptance looks like is that I accept that today I'm laying on the couch. It's not bad or good, maybe. And I'll just be curious about, you know, why my body needs us right now. And what I'm noticing is that I can kind of only do that for so long until like I very naturally start gravitating towards other things, but I don't have to have an agenda you mentioned you'd moved your practice online, and that very much has to do with why I wanted to bring you back on the show so soon, uh, is to hear 
what you're hearing from your clients that are going through this with all of us. What what are the main things rising to the surface right now that might be somewhat different than <laughs> the old normal? I feel like my client base is in two corners right now. I work with predominantly people of color, most of which are queer. A lot of them work in the public at grocery stores or they were just laid off or furloughed from their restaurant or waitressing jobs. And then the other group are people that um, are working from home from like their tech job or something parallel to that and just dealing with um, all the limitations that come from that. So I'm finding that I am trying to support the people that have to go into the public and risk their lives to, you know, keep the rest of us fed and all, you know, supplied with all the things we need and just um, orienting people to um, their, their value during this time and also their choices. I feel like a lot of people feel like they can't, they don't have a choice, especially if they work at a grocery store, like, oh, I have to do this. Like people need the food and I need this money. But I'm, I'm trying to work with them and like, is it worth your health to have a purpose right now? Like, are there, a, do you have other resources to get your bills paid and food in your fridge? Like, does, does it really have to be all or nothing right now? Um, and that all or nothing black and white brain is incredibly common when we're stressed because your, your brain doesn't have time for ambiguity when, the un, when uncertainty is going on. So we find ourselves like in these really rigid boxes of like, oh, I have, I have to do this. And I'm like, so my job is to be like, wait, do you have to? Let me help you resource and orient you to what some other options are. If, it, if you uh, do sit with this enough and you decide that it's not worth the risk to your health and safety to be out doing this work, what else can we find for you? Um, and then on the other hand, people who are privileged enough to work from home just dealing with the tedium and boredom and children, children, like, you know, I don't have children. So like, I just have like a house full of cats in video games. So again, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing fine, but just helping people uh, hone into a schedule that works for them and prevents them from murdering their children and also making sure that people are sleeping at any sort of time. But I, and in, in, in a general way, one thing that's really different from this time is I, I'm usually a big proponent of having people maintain a regular schedule, go to sleep at the same time, wake up at the same time, exercise at the same time, eat at the same time, with the purpose of maintaining your circadian rhythms so that your body like knows what to anticipate. But I am definitely being more liberal with that right now because if you have children that are clamoring for attention and food and homework help and you're working a job, maybe the only time you have to yourself is two o'clock in the morning. So I'm not here to shame that either. So just resourcing with people and finding like what's possible. But the number one thing is just preventing people from getting swept up in the shoulds right now. That's the biggest thing. Like on, like I would say for all of my clients, there's this pressure that they should be doing something with this time. And then they're judging themselves really harshly for not like writing the great American novel during a global pandemic in isolation. And I'm making so much space for that to be completely acceptable that those things are not happening. Yeah, it just kind of, to me, demonstrates um, violent extractive capitalism's hold on our psyche. 
Somehow we need to be producing all the fucking time. And I'm finally like, yeah, this email you sent me three weeks ago. Yep. And I'll, you know, I'll get a reminder. Thank you for the reminder. And I'll get to this when I can. Like I'm not this whole hyper productivity. There's just something that's been drilled into us that has been deeply unhealthy for our souls, our collective souls, our communities. So that's something that I've been also naming even for myself. And the, the sleeping has been huge, you know, trying to be intentional with that drinking water. From, I, I actually, and I love food and I love to cook and I love to eat. But one day I almost, it was like two in the afternoon and I almost passed out and I'm like, holy shit, I hadn't eaten. And I only had coffee. I mean, I always have my coffee. That's like a, a thing, but I hadn't eaten. And I'm like, this is not a thing I do is not eat. That's, I don't forget to eat. And so I just realized how like just Uber, I had, I, the conditioning is, and I finally said, you know what? Nothing's more important than me taking care of my body right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is the most important. And thank you for naming uh, like the aggressive capitalistic pull that pressures people into constantly producing. And I, I would say that, that that's also similar to what's going on with my clients who are working in the public right now. Like there's this narrative that they have to. And it's almost like right. they, it's like their opportunity. It's like, it's, it's very, it's like a superhero narrative. It's like, you know, yeah. like everyone's depending on you right now. And like, absolutely. Yes. To a degree, but it doesn't really mean you as an individual have to sacrifice yourself for the entire population right now. It's not even a guarantee that your sacrifice is going to be beneficial to other people. So and and also you get to opt out of that if that doesn't work for you. Like you get to, this is an opportunity for us to engage in the culture n- narratives that dictate what normal feels like. And we have the opportunity to explore and challenge that and see what happens if you let yourself sleep. So the first night this banging of the pots and for healthcare workers that's been going on in Seattle. The first time I didn't know it was happening. So we, we were startled and I'm like, for people with anxiety, this shit is bullshit. Like we were, the four of us were like triggered. Like we've lived in Colombia, where, you know, we have, I'm from Egypt where armies are literally in the streets. So, okay. So that's number one. Number two, I I'm maybe this is me being a, um, what's the word like Scrooge, but I, you know, I think people should get health care and we take care of the folks who are caring for us from healthcare workers to grocery store clerks and not rather than make saviors out of them. What can we do to provide? What can we do to materially support them? Yes. Materially support them. I mean, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm yeah. just so cynical, but this banging shit and people are like, oh, I'm in tears. No, I'm so no, happy. No. And I'm like, I think it's no. fuck shit. And it's, it's shallow. Yeah. No, no gestures. Healthcare workers don't need gestures. They need personal protective equipment. They need hazard pay. Uh, they need childcare stipends. They need uh, massive raises. They need uh, absolutely zero cost healthcare. They need extensive testing. They need antibody testing. They need material support. And I am not in favor of any feel good gesture that makes the populace at large feel absolved of political responsibility yes. to these so-called essential workers. Yes. I don't give Maybe. a yes. fuck about a pan. Thank it, you. Yeah, all that these does people need to be calling their senators every fucking day. They need to be calling their congresspeople every fucking day. They need to be calling the mayor. They need to be calling the governor. 
They need to be calling all of their representatives demanding these resources for our essential workers. Yes, we have to deflate the mythology that glorifies that sacrifice as if that's the only way we can do this. That's yeah. that's bullshit and it's pretty pathetic. It's pretty pathetic Absolutely. that the only thing we can do is what we've always done and you know throw black and brown people to the wolves. Do y'all think I'm like naive for thinking that, you know, pots and pans can actually help um bring about change that it it uh, you know, makes a statement of of how society is, you know, really does value healthcare workers and first responders, and you know that that can exist along with um, political structural changes that are needed. But um, it doesn't. I mean, people are doing that and making yeah, themselves feel better. It's a safety pin situation. Mm. The thing is, I believe in. I liked the safety pins. I, it made me sure. feel better. <laughs> like. No, it um, no, not that what I was signaling to the world, but what the world was signaling to me, it made me feel better. Yeah, I mean, but what okay. I get that like the safety pin signaled solidarity. I'm more concerned with uh actual like tangible like I don't give a fuck about a safety pin unless you are actively working to affect change in your life in the spheres over which you have influence in like your local political spheres like the thing about the pots and pans i do see what you're saying that like it um it signals to our neighbors like it's uh, physically like to the people around us like we support health workers these people are a priority for us like i get what you're saying and it's feasible that that could contribute to like um a heightened um uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like we are building a culture of saying we care about healthcare workers. Like we're um does somebody can somebody help me out here? Yeah. Like yeah. Like what I'm kind of hearing is like the intention isn't bad as long as that's not your only plan. You know, like like I'm a big fan of yes and exactly. I um, like to believe we can have both. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like social movements start with gestures. They start with a person going, Hey, what if we did this? And then as long as the movement is open to, and, you know, and taking that further and further, I think that that's how we get progress Um, to, to connect with the body a little bit. Like, I think that one of the things that a lot of us are really lacking is the ability to physically show up. And that's one of the ways that we lend support to other people. So I do want to validate that there's something very cathartic about banging pots of pans and raising your voice Mm -hmm. because it's your body recognizes it as something that you're doing. um, And it's something that you can do in real time on a daily basis to validate the feelings that are inside that want to connect with these communities. And it, it can also help you connect with your external neighborhood community um, I've actually haven't heard anything. Maybe it's because I work every night at eight o'clock. <laughs> but um, I, I think that there's something that can be systemically healing about uh, just the camaraderie of raising your voices together. Um, I want to make space for the fact that for some people, they're always going to take it further than pots and pans. 
And for some people, that's as far as they're ever going to be able to take it. And I want to make space for both of them to exist because we can't all do the same things. Like we need the diversity of the masses. And I, for some people, it's very radical just to express their feelings, you know, to a community about how they feel about all of this. Um, One thing I want to share, um, I live in this wonderful neighborhood full of uh, Chinese, like multi-generational families. And my next door neighbor has been doing the most amazing thing ever. She's been sitting with a drum on her deck, uh, doing uh, a chant with a drum, like speaking like, it's almost like free association, but in Chinese. And she does it for hours. And we looked up what it was and like, it's a, a Taoist prayer for the world. And like, before this happened, I had never even heard her voice. Now I get to hear her every day, you know, like banging this drum, praying for the world on a loop forever. And like, it's the most soothing thing I've ever heard in my life. I didn't know that I needed to hear something like that. And even though I don't understand what she's saying, I feel what she is putting out. And it's such a beautiful gift. And I'm sure most of the neighborhood can hear her. And it's it's seriously awesome. And like, I'm certainly not asking that woman to go further than what she's doing. Like what she's doing is a fucking beautiful gift and I love her for it. And I don't even know her name. She's my next door neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I mean, I don't, I, I hear what you're saying, Sarah. And I, it's, I guess I'm jaded because I guess I think back to, um, the Iraq war and people like support our troops as, I mean, I, at the time I was living in Jersey and are driving these massive trucks that are using up all the gas, you know, oil and gas that people are, the troops quote are dying for. And so I just think this country has a history given how structurally unjust and inequitable this country been and continues to be you know, I, yes, I hear you, Ryan. I want to make room for that. And I also just feel like at what point do we say, Hey, let's cancel the, how to organize to not fucking lose our post office where, what is it? The majority of black women work. Uh, let's organize and make phone calls. Let's spend that eight o'clock and have thousands of thousands of phone calls go to the fucking Senate because $1,200 for a significant portion of this country is fuck shit. So it's, it's me being jaded and feeling like, we love doing our gestures and, and for some it's okay. But if we were maybe just a fucking little bit more equitable of a society to me, to me, I'm just so fucking jaded and just feel like people give themselves a pat on and, and feel that this is great and then be okay with people drowning in debt. Um, and me, that, I don't know. I, I, I am jaded. I own that. I just, I don't think that means we're jaded. I don't think that means you're jaded or that I'm jaded. I think it means we're optimistic because we are still holding on to the idea that we can do better, that we can be better. Sarah. Chelsea. When you say that By the Sound is a community-invested podcast, what does that mean for our guests? It means that we pay them. Every guest interviewed is paid an appearance fee. Is it normal for podcasts to pay their guests? No. People say all the time that our time is our most valuable commodity, and yet most guests on radio and podcasts aren't paid a dime for their appearances. Huh. 
Our show's supporters who donate on Patreon help us to pay our local guests, and in doing so, they're investing in our local community. Are there other ways our Patreon supporters can help us pay our local guests? Yes. By the Sound community members who sign up for the Discovery, Westlake, or Gasworks membership levels are able to designate their first one to two months donations to a particular local guest of their choosing. Huh? If we are able to get an interview with the person they've chosen, then that guest will receive the amount that was pledged for them in addition to our normal guest payment. This is a great way for fans of the podcast to help us choose our guest, create a platform for interesting local people to share their voices, and to reinvest in our own community. Nice! How do listeners get in on this deal? They can visit buythesound.net and click the donate button. That's buythesound.net. Or they can go directly to patreon.com slash buythesound. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash by the sound part of my perpetual disappointment with adulthood that like the there's not a bigger adult than me that that is in charge who's making better decisions than I would make like you know when you were a kid like you know all of us come from a different background but like I always had this expectation that there was a super smart person who was going to be in charge of something who would have better ideas than me and who would execute them And then, like, I realized that a lot of my ideas are, like, the best ideas. And then nobody's doing them. I'm like, wait, I'm not even anybody. Like, I'm just like, maybe let's not let people die. No, you're a socialist. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel really lucky that, like, okay, Uh, having to try to work through a pandemic feels uh, impossible a lot of the time. Like, my brain is fucking donked. But I work for a uh, health healthcare like caregivers union, and I get to work actively every single day toward uh, providing those resources that I just named for essential workers. At the same time, like I don't ever uh, step away from this crisis. <laughs> no, how could you? It's it's it's, it's like, everything. No. Yeah, it's my job. Uh, It, you know, infiltrates my day-to-day life in various ways. Like, I am never really not thinking about it. Um, And, like, while it is really uh, fulfilling to, like, work towards change, it also makes me very aware of, like, we need more help. We need more people on this. And, like while I'm all for baking bread and like <laughs> relaxing in, in, and, and finding like venues for like, uh, I don't know, the whole bread baking thing seems to me like an outlet for anxiety and like, it's great. And I, I think it's brilliant. Um, but I think we also need to have a strong collective push toward action. Like, we need to control the things we can. We need to be working towards, like, the change we can affect. It goes as beyond much bread. As I want, it goes beyond bread. And as much as I want to be able to say, like, okay, everybody just, like, chill, uh, take care of yourself, do what you need to do. We also need to carve out time for, like, acting on uh, our, our drive toward liberation. Like, mm-hmm. 
I don't know how to balance that. I mean, clearly I don't know how to balance that. I'm actually having, uh, today I am not working. I took a mental health day because I'm a fucking mess. <laughs> hey, yo. But, uh, instead I'm, you know, spending my time yelling at you guys about hazard pay and personal protective equipment and am on social media, like yelling at my friends to, uh, give out their COVID money to people who actually need it and aren't salaried and like are undocumented and are sex workers. It's like, I never lay it down. Mm -hmm. Hi, this has turned into a therapy session for me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, tell me more about how, no, no, sorry. Let's do this. You said the the T word. This This is is the dichotomy of what I'm seeing is like, People being where you're at, where you're like, you know what? There's bigger fish to fry. And even though I'm on fire, I have the energy to go blow up other people about (laughs) this. And what I'd like to hear from you, Chelsea, um, how does this, how does it feel to be putting action into your intentions right now, especially in the absence of other people showing up powerfully for marginalized people? Um, It feels different every day. Some days it feels great. Uh, some days, uh, the redistributing COVID funds, um, to give a little bit more background. So the stimulus checks have started to like appear in people's bank accounts. Um, and a lot of my friends are not financially, my friends on, you know, social network are not financially suffering right now because they have salaries. They are in industries that aren't particularly impacted by this crisis. Um, and so they can afford to completely redistribute their stimulus checks. And so I am sharing as many resources as I can for them to redistribute their funds to Black and Indigenous people, to sex workers, to gig workers, to um, undocumented people who... Uh, don't have the same access to funds. So that has been extremely life-giving, just like essentially like making it rain both directly and indirectly. Um, it's fucking fun. It's yeah. funner than shopping. Nice. Well, <laughs> it's like you get to kind of be Robin Hood and encourage other people to be the same. Yes. Um, so when it's things like that, like directly materially supporting people heavily impacted by this crisis like that feels fucking great when it is just like endlessly dealing with like the technical side of i'm in communications so like distributing information that feels like a grind that feels like screaming into the void but then like we get thanks from our members we get you know thousands of signatures on our petitions like overnight like we get um direct contact with like legislators and other elected officials like that feels really good Mm -hmm. uh but like I'm also totally emotionally exhausted most of the time and like I'm a queer black woman in America like I came into this tired (laughs) 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 um so 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm really answering your question. Yeah, like, I am much. aware. I am aware that I could be resting more in theory, but I also, you know, have two incredible children who I have. Okay, part of why I'm able to do as much as I am is that I have shared custody. So I have my two incredible children half the time and then they go to their dads and I get to like dive further into work and maybe rest a little bit, which is uh, people think divorce is bad or like splitting kids between two households is bad. It's the best thing that ever fucking happened to me. I'm a better parent than I ever was when I had them all the time. Um, so yeah, like I do have the privilege of sending my kids away half the time. And I also have like the fire under my butt of having these kids and like needing to make a better world for them to be adults in, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm pretty okay. <laughs> well, I think you, that's my answer. Pretty you, okay. You did say something that, snagged on me a little bit and it's that sometimes you're not feeling it you're you don't have the spoons to do this and I'm definitely hearing that it's helpful to have your kids out of the house half the time and I was just hearing you say that it occurs to you to sleep uh why why not I sleep I sleep I do sleep I sleep hard I sleep roughly eight hours every night I sleep okay all right. Um, but like today, for example, like this is your mental health day. How will you be spending your time? Um, that's a good question. I'm probably going to spend a lot of time in my garden when I'm not uh, communicating. When I'm not doing communications, I spend as much time with plants as I can. Plant witch. There you go. I'm going to plant the things my friend just dropped off. I'm going to, um, I have some nasturtium sprouts coming up in the garden. And so I'm like talking to them a lot because I love them so much. And I want my little plant babies to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll probably spend most of the day with my hands in dirt. Love it. So what, what you're really saying is that you're finding the right amount of balance between your, your internal desire to connect with other people and then also just connect to the earth and yourself. And you are giving yourself enough time to do both. So I, I think yeah. that part of what we have, the opportunity that we have right now is to, uh, you know, deviate from our assigned schedules and see what we, what feels better for us. Like we have an opportunity to actually invest in what feels good for those of us that are privileged enough to not have to worry about how we're going to pay our bills right now. And if we have all this open time, you know, see how it feels to split your time between doing like social justice work and getting your hands dirty, you know, as opposed (laughs) to like, the thing that I'm really trying to like help people budge uh, with my clients is like, I should be using literally all of this time to saving the world or writing my magnum opus. And I'm like, really though? How does that feel? And they're like, well, I override my feelings all the time to accomplish things. And I'm really good at doing that. I have a lifetime of experience, like disregarding my body. Sarah. Chelsea. 
When you say that By the Sound is a community-invested podcast, what does that mean for our listeners? Ah, glad you asked. It means that in addition to hearing our conversations about local issues and interviews with our most interesting Seattle-area neighbors, fans of the show can join our listener community online by supporting the podcast on Patreon. Doing so will unlock access to our private Facebook group. What are we posting in the Facebook group? (laughs) Well, in addition to exclusive previews about what we'll be discussing on the show, we offer a curated stream of the best and most provocative local news stories each day. That's dope. How much will it cost to join? Our online community membership is available to all patrons starting at $5 per month. How else can fans of the show invest in this community? Our supporters on Patreon, who contribute $10 or more per month, will receive exclusive invitations to buy the sound meetups at Seattle-area coffee shops, bars, and parks, where they could meet by the sound co-host, guests, and other local fans of the show. Sweet. Where should listeners go to donate? They can visit bythesound.net and click on the donate button. That's bythesound.net. Or go directly to patreon.com slash bythesound. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash bythesound. So what are you grateful for this week, Ryan? Um. Okay, real talk. The thing that I'm most grateful for besides the cats are the fact that I have a really legit espresso machine at my house and I can make as many like bougie lattes as I want per day. Um, I'm, I'm legit also, jealous. You no, know, it's, it's amazing. And because I was a barista for such a long time, part of how I'm amusing myself is just like pouring perfect rosettes in like soy milk lattes and then drinking them. <laughs> yeah. I've had like four or five coffees a day for the last while all full strength no decaf because you know like what's the point i'm not sleeping anyway i miss coffee shops yeah i miss having a person make me my coffee i think what what, one time my cousin said to me that the reason people go to restaurants and cafes is that they want a moment of someone taking care of them yep and that really stuck with me. Um, And I think that that is one of the big things that I've been missing is care. Like, so my gratitude is my roommate, Emily, who is really a wonderful person and who I can receive care from and who, to whom I can offer care in a way that feels really uncomplicated. Mm-hmm. And I really can't imagine a better like sheltering in place partner than totally. Emily. It's been really lovely. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, I, I, I feel will jump very, in. Very lucky. A, a logistical thing I haven't mentioned. Um, my partner was unemployed for six months and just got hired in like mid March, and like that's like the biggest miracle that's ever happened. If that didn't happen, I would be totally telling you all these different stories about how screwed I am and how I have no money and how I need that stimulus check and how I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage, blah, blah, blah. So I have to give like mad shout out love to my partner for getting a job so that I don't have to freak out, you know, and I have like all this free time to be like, "Hmm, I wonder what I'm going to do. I will take a nap, you know, that's pretty great. Um, And 
it's a little frightening how close we got to hitting the wall financially. Like if, if my partner hadn't gotten employed exactly at that time, I really have no idea what, what life would be like right now. So I got to say gratitude for that and just the universe coming through. And also we've also had these past six months to like figure out how to coexist in the same space, you know, with the unemployment going on so long. So like, we actually know how to talk to each other without fighting now, you know, and there's, and if we get tired of talking, we can just put on Star Trek. There's always Star Trek and so much of it. <laughs> what are you grateful for, Aisha? Um, so I'm grateful for colleagues. I've, I'm so, I've lived a lot of places, including South America. And so I have friends all over the world and just people every now and then I'll get a random Facebook message or a text just with folks checking in on me and missing me. And because this, this week, last week and a half has been just emotionally, I feel like I've hit a wall. And, um, since everyone else I live with has kind of hit the same wall, it's not like I can, I mean, I can turn to them, but it's not the same thing. So having just someone who's like, Hey, thinking of you, how are you? And, a friend who I love deeply and I could say, Oh my gosh, like you're the person I need to hear from. So I'm really, really grateful for thoughtful friends that I have who've just, you know, like even just a, you know, random text feels just so connecting. I'm like, I love you so much. And I'm trying like not to overdo it, but I, but you know, it's the extrovert in me misses the variety of um, people that I'm around who, who really love and accept me just the way I am. Um, Cause when you coexist with other adults, you know, things get annoying. And sure. <laughs> so I'm grateful. I'm grateful to all of you. This is really a great time. Thank you, Sarah, for gathering us and doing the show, even though the sound is not perfect, but it's okay. It's better than not. It is perfect. All of this is perfect. See, like that's that radical acceptance. I'm like, this is great right now. Like nothing's like, I'm literally not on fire in this moment. Um, even though like I have missed as an extrovert, like that constant social support that I seek, it makes me more appreciative of moments like this. And maybe that's what I needed. Maybe I needed to have my freedom challenged in a degree that makes me really appreciate the connections that I have. And I agree. Like when those texts come in from like somebody I haven't heard of from in a while, I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't know how much I needed this. Like if if that had happened at a different time, I might not have been in a place to fully appreciate what that really means. Sarah, how, thank you, Ryan. Exactly. Sarah, how are what are you thankful for this week? I'm thankful every time I see you because I'm so worried about you being out so often. No, I'm, I'm, um, I, I, I think, uh, I, I must have immunity or something or I don't know what I, I, I keep telling myself that, um, I, uh, I am grateful that my boys, my sons are, uh, just so fucking good that I, that, cause I do have to go out most days and work and I do have to leave them alone a lot. And, um, I don't have to worry about them fighting or, you know, doing something dumb or like, they're just so, they're both so responsible. Um, and, and the older one, uh, he, I I don't have to worry about his schoolwork at all. Like he just leans into it and 
gets everything done and is is totally like self-managing with all of the uh his schoolwork and the younger one I have to help a lot more with um you know homeschooling uh but he gives it 100% of effort um when he has a, a task at hand and he's he really just brightens up when they have the 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 zoom meetings and with um his classmates and uh uh so yeah things could be so much harder um if not for just what rock stars they are and also i've been asking them for a lot more uh help around the house with chores cuz you know that's that thing that you know three people eating three meals a day. It's like so many <laughs> dishes and, yeah. and all this. And so I've been leaning on them more for help and they've um, just done so uh, uh, just without making a fuss about it or, you know, I mean, not more though might grumble a little bit, but you know, they do it. So Aww, sounds like you have great kids. I, I really do. And it's I feel like it's never really mattered more than than it does right now. Um, as they're just making life work. So I love you boys. And I love That's also because some kids suck. Yeah, I've been <laughs> hearing more of those stories. I'm like, oh my god, my kid won't shut up, keeps coming into my office with no pants on. Yeah. <laughs> like even garbage all over the place or else like kids that are too young to quite understand what's going on and they don't know why they can't go play with their friends. Like that sounds super hard. Yeah. Thank you guys. Um, And Ryan, I have a hunch we're going to have you back on one of these days. I am happy to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I will always say words. You're really good at it. Thank you. Well, thank you. This has been by the sound, your community invested podcast. By the Sound is an Ahoy Hoy Media production. Ahoy Hoy!